0: Well, happy Mother's Day. We're so glad that you're here. I'm very thankful for my mom and my wife, and just all the the women in our church that did make, to did just make Living Word such a special place, and how involved in ministry they are. and And so, can we just thank them? Can we just thank all the women in our church? Listen, I, uh, yes, we're so grateful as we As we jump into god 's word, I just want, I just wanted to pray because I know I know mother 's Day can be bittersweet, amen, it can be bittersweet, and for some of you it it may be lost a mom or a child, and it can, it can be difficult too and uh, I just want you to know there 's the comfort and the care of the Lord, and God is here, and I just wanted to pray and just thank the Lord for the moms and the women of our church and if you 're hurting today, I want you to know that the Lord is there, He does care for you, and uh, he 's a god of all comfort aren 't you glad for that that we can find His grace and mercy all the time. And uh, so I wanted to pray for you. Could we just bow our hearts as we pray for the word and just pray for the women of our church? Father God, I I just want to thank you that you are a God who comforts us in all our times. I'm so grateful for the women of our church, Lord, and, and just so much that they do to make living word a special place to make Jesus glorified. And Lord, we just give you our hearts today. And for those that maybe are hurting today, I thank you that you comfort us, that you comfort us during our hurting times, that you're always there for us. God, So, Lord, I pray that you just bring your comfort and your care. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, knowing that you are with us, raising children is not easy. There's joys, there's sacrifices. And, Lord, we thank you that you walk with us through it all and you give us help. And we need your wisdom to do that and, and to glorify you in the way we do that, Lord. So we thank you for your word today. I pray you just speak to us. I pray that our hearts would be open to hear from you. We know it's all truth. It's the ultimate truth. It's the inerrant truth, and and we need your help in the way we direct our lives. So we thank you for this time just to sit under the authority of your word, just speak it to our hearts now. We just want to be careful to ask all these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. We've got a gift for you. Make sure you grab your gift if you haven't already as you walk out the door. Just our appreciation for you and our love for you from Living Word. So God bless you. Um, the question I want to pose this morning, we've been going through a series looking at the words of Jesus. So what did Jesus have to say about a certain thing? And we're kind of in a in a mini-series within the series on the Lord's Prayer. Many of you know the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you grew up uh, saying the Lord's Prayer every week at church. Maybe you even have it memorized. And the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus says, okay, and he, and he teaches the disciples how to pray. And we've been going through uh, pretty much line by line the Lord's prayer. And we're going to be looking at a very interesting part of the Lord's prayer of knowing God's will. And the question I want to pose to you this morning is, can we know the will of God? And if we can know the will of God, how can we know the will of God. How do we know this is the will of God? Have you ever thought that? Like, is this God's will? And I think much of our lives is is spent fretting or or worrying or having anxiety about whether or not this is God's will. Or if you look back over your life and the decisions that you made, how many of have ever made a bad decision in your life? All of us, right? And we look back and we're like, does that bad decision dictate the rest of my life? Like, if I didn't hit on point back here 10 years ago, does that mean the rest of my future um, is is going to be upset? It's going to be bad. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, we can have confidence in God's word, not only to know God's will, but to have confidence and to be able to test God's will and not live our life with regrets, not to live our life in the past thinking, is the rest of my future just doomed because I missed some point back here in my life. I just want all of us to realize we can take hope in Christ Jesus, that he does make things new, that he does redeem even the bad things that we've done. Our God is a God of redemption and can redeem us and give us hope for the future. So I'm hoping for some of you here today and those watching online that we'll have a confidence in the Lord and not a confidence in ourselves or maybe even some of the choices that we've made in the past. So Jesus shows us how we, are, how we are to pray. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 6 and look at the Lord's Prayer. And I want us to be careful. I mean, some of these things in the Word of God we have memorized up here, right? But it doesn't really change our hearts. The, the Lord's Prayer is not something to be mechanical or to be ritualistic, and some, sometimes when we when we know something, we remember. And we go through it and like, have you, have you ever done that? Like you've listened to something or you maybe you do your devotions in the morning and then you get in the car and you're like, what did I just read? Like, what What Bible verse did I just read? We just, we so easily forget. The Lord doesn't want the Lord's prayer to be some ritualistic thing that we have memorized up here, but it doesn't change our hearts. This is a pattern to show us what is the heart of God. And I want you to see how Jesus tells us to approach God where we're to be when we approach God. All of this is to guard your hearts from not becoming ritualistic and it becoming meaningless. So Jesus' disciples asked him and Jesus shared with them about the heart of prayer. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And he says, and when you pray, he first says, this is what you're not to be like. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. He says, truly, I tell you, They have received their full reward, their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is then how you, you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen to God's word. Let's see what, let's see what we can discover about, about God's will. Um, what we discovered over the last couple of weeks about the Lord's prayer, it could be called the disciples prayer, is we've discovered that prayer is personal. And Jesus tells us to approach God the Father as one who genuinely cares, who already knows our needs before we even ask them. Jesus tells us to come just as we are. We don't come with our righteousness or our good works. We need to understand that we are accepted children through our faith in Christ Jesus by his marvelous grace, and we don't earn it or deserve it. We address God as Father because he's this personal God who knows our very needs. And so what Jesus does is he separates those who pray for themselves, those who try to manipulate the gods through their many words or God through their many words. They think they will be heard by repeating the same thing over and over and over again. He goes, those are the pagans. That's how how they pray. They think they can manipulate God. The self-righteous or the religious elite show off the way they pray in the the synagogues and on the street corners. He goes, don't be like the pagan. Don't be like the hypocrite or the religious uh, elite. See, part of the Lord's prayer that Jesus wants us to focus on is God's will. Jesus tells us to pray for God's will on earth as as it is in heaven. So the question is, how do we pray in the will of God? Have you ever wondered, am I praying in God's will? And so what Jesus says is when you approach God, you just don't jump right to give us this day our daily bread. Jesus didn't say, he didn't start off the Lord's Prayer by us giving a laundry list of our requests. That's part of it, but notice how Jesus says we are to approach God. He tells the disciples, I don't want you to jump right into our daily bread. He tells the disciples, don't pray like those who want to be noticed or those who can manipulate God. He says, first pray to your father and then hallow his name. And what we discovered last week is the word hallowed means sacred or holy. We are approaching a sacred and holy God and we are to worship him and thank him first for who he is. So before we give our requests and our needs, we're to recognize God's holiness and God's goodness. And this sets the pace for everything else in our prayer life. Listen, I, for for some of you moms, isn't it nice when your your children if they've ever done this just come up to you and just say, "Mom, how are you doing? Are you how, what are you feeling today?" Are you feeling okay? Is every everything all right? You know, it's like moms know it's like everything that they need. You go to mom. My kids are all in their twenties and they still go to mom. Mom, where's the... Right. It's just, and it's so nice. Wouldn't it be nice? You just you'd have a heart attack. You'd fall out of your seat. Wouldn't it be nice to just how are you doing today? Are you doing okay? What was your day like? You know, wouldn't that just be sweet words from your children? Right? Wouldn't that be just? Wonderful. Jesus said the same thing. We're not just to approach God with all our, our, our needs. We're to approach him as God the Father who cares for us. We're to worship him first. And when we worship God first, it puts our minds at peace and it puts our anxious hearts at ease. It gives us the right frame of mind to present our needs before him. So here's what, here's what we're going to look at. Praying in God's will is seeking to know what pleases him. If we're going to really understand God's will, we need to know what pleases Him. How do I? How do I know that I'm in God's will? And so, if you've ever wondered about the decision that you're making, and you're asking yourself, "Is this decision I'm making, is it in God's will?" And I think many of us, what we do is we fret and we worry on whether or not we're doing the right thing or if it's in God's will. And, and let, let, me just get you some, let me just give you some faults things that we do. Some myths about God's will or trying to figure out God's will. We we try to comfort ourselves by saying, well, this didn't work out, so it must be God's will. This certain thing didn't work out, so it, it, it must be God's will. Maybe the reason it didn't work out is it's God's will. Or we say, this all worked out and I feel so much peace. It must be God's will. It must be God's will. The only car left in the dealership was the color that I wanted. It must be God's will. It's $60,000 more than I wanted to pay, but it must be God's will because it's the right color. I got, I got, I got spiritual doodads. I got goosebumps. Look at, I got goosebumps. It must be God's will. It must be God's will. We we had the, the, there's this running joke at our college, uh, Southeastern Bridal College. I mean Southeastern Bible College. There's this running joke, and Pastor Brandon can relate to this. Um, Kathleen can too. We all went to Christian colleges, but there's this running joke. You're always you try to find you, you know your spouse there, right? You go to college, try 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 to find your your spouse. And there's this running joke. It's like you see these two people, they're dating. And After two weeks, they're like, "Hey, we're getting married." I'm like, "You're you're engaged. You're getting yeah yeah." It's 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 God's will. I know we've only known each other two weeks, but boy, the, the connection, it's like the Holy Spirit dropped a Holy Spirit bomb on our relationship, and we know that it's God. We're so excited. I'm like, that's great. And then two weeks later, you don't see him walking around anymore. They're not sitting in the cafeteria. They're not hand feeding each other in the cafeteria, right? They're not holding hands out. the like, Hey, hey, what happened? Oh, oh, yeah, we we broke up. I'm like, You broke up? Why? It's not God's will. It's not God's will. Like, okay, two weeks ago was God's will, and now now it's not God's will. So how, how do we know? Is, is, it, is it really so much about a specific thing, person, place, what color my car is, who do I marry, where do I live, what kind of house do I live in? Those are the things that we get so uptight about. Now, we need to have wisdom in all these choices, amen? We need to have wisdom. And we can ask God for wisdom when we lack wisdom. But listen, here's where we get hung up. We get hung up on all the specifics of our life, whether or not this is specifically God's will. And we end up living in regret. It's like trying to, you know, okay, if I make this decision, then it's going to affect this, and then it's going to affect, and then it's like, if, if I go, if I don't make the right decisions, then am I going to have to live with this regret the rest of my life? And we, we live with all these regrets and these worries, and it's easy to get hung up on all the specifics of my, of my life. And if we miss something, we can feel overwhelmed or obsessed over whether or not we missed God's will. So let me relieve your hearts today because God's word is not silent on what pleases him. And what is God's will for our lives? The apostle Paul gives us an understanding of God's will for our life. And we can easily get hung up on the who, what, where, when of our lives and how do we know this is God's will? But the Apostle Paul gets to the heart of God's will in Romans chapter 12. What is the thing that God is most concerned with in your life? Is it, is it specifically about the color of your car or the color of your house or all these little other little specific things, specific things? I'm not saying, once again, they're not important. We need wisdom for them. But what is really at the heart of God's will? Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is brilliant. This is going to help you, and I'm praying that it does. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as, living sacri- as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, he's saying this is what we are to do. We are to give ourselves to God as an act of worship. Now he tells us specifically, what does this mean? What is my act of worship? Is it just coming to church on Sunday for an hour and worshiping and sitting on the, the word? Is, is, that, is that what Paul's simply talking about? No, that's part of it. But listen to what he's saying here. He says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So what he's saying is, there's the world. He says, don't be transformed any longer By the world standard, but be transformed by the truth of who we know about God and God's word. That's where you are to be transformed. Listen to what he says. This is so good. When you do that, it's not so much about a specific who, what, where, when Paul is talking about. Paul is saying, when you give your life to me, when you give your life to Christ and you allow the word of God to transform the way you think from the patterns of the world like you used to think. To now what Christ, how he wants you to live in the spirit of Christ is within us now. He's saying there's a transformation that happens in your mind. When this happens, this is so good. Are you ready? This is so, everybody say this is so good. I haven't even told you what it is. How do you know it's so good? No, I'm just saying. This is so good. Watch. He says when you're transformed by by the renewal of your mind, he goes, that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. What Paul is saying is when we have this confidence that our minds are being transformed by Christ, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, we'll be able to discern and test what God's will is now. Notice what Paul says is most important. It's about the transformation of our life. So what is God concerned with? God is concerned with us listening to him and how we live our lives. Not so much about the color of your car, or what type of car, or what school you went to, or what job you pick. Notice what he says. He is most concerned with how we live our lives. Paul tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we do that by seeking to know what pleases God. So here's God's heart. Paul's saying God's heart is that we no longer live by the world's standards. So what clouds our relationship with God, what clouds us understanding or being able to test what God's will is in our life? What clouds that is is us being transformed by the world and not transformed by God and his word. When I rely on things that are harmful for me, think about it for just a moment. Think about it for just a moment. If you've been walking with Christ for any amount of time, hopefully there's a transformation that is happening in your heart, and your life, and your mind about the way you think about things. You say, I used to think this way, and now I think this way. I used to do this, but now I do this. I used to blow up really easily. I don't do that as much anymore. There's a transformation. As I yield myself to the spirit of Christ, there's a transformation that's happening in my mind. And I know that's not the right way to deal with it. I used to turn to substances to get me through. I don't need that anymore because it doesn't help me like Christ helps me. And now I turn to Christ in prayer. Christ helps me, helps me with my patience, helps me with my faith, helps me to trust the Lord. See, a renewal happens when our minds are set in Christ. And God's word shows us what pleases him. So hopefully you can see that change. You can see that transformation. I love hearing stories of life change and how Christ has renewed you and is renewing you. I just heard this life story. I love this. I, we, um, we have applications that you fill out when you uh, are water baptized. We have a water baptismal service in a couple of weeks. If you're not water baptized, we hope you sign up for it. And uh, th- we had them sign out. We had them fill out, you know, sign uh, the, the application, fill out their testimony. Like what, what, what has, how has Christ changed you? And there was a teenage girl who filled this out. And this is what she said. This is awesome. She's getting baptized in a couple weeks. And this is what she said. She goes, I was completely in with the wrong people and doing things I shouldn't. And I was able, asked a friend to help me. And I found the Lord. This fellow... Senior in high school who was a Christian in one of our public high schools led this girl to the Lord that was seeking the Lord. This is what she said. I love this. Life change. She then says, um, I committed my life to Him and flipped my life upside down to obey Him. Can we thank the Lord for that? Can we just thank Him? That is life change. A life change, a heart and a mind that's been changed by Christ, and she says, to obey Him. Bingo! You got it. I love hearing those life stories. I love hearing how Christ has helped you to become more patient, or become a better husband or a wife. This is the transformation that happened. D- does it mean we're perfect? Does it mean we'll, you know, we'll never blow it again? Of course we will, but we're thankful for Jesus' grace and His love that we can come back to Him and we can find forgiveness and help in our time of need. I love to hear life change when someone tells me how they pray with their spouse or they take more time to pray alone. I love hearing that. That means that God is doing something in your heart. Listen, listen, God's will is this. The more the Lord transforms your mind away from the world and to his word and changes your spirit, and then it begins to change the way we act, that we want to please the Lord, here's what Paul says, then you will be able to discern the will of God. See, the the reason why we're not discerning the will of God is because we're not allowing our hearts and our minds to be transformed by God's word. And if we're not doing that, then guess what? We're going to listen to the world. And how many know that's not a good place to turn for for wisdom and truth? We're going to be in trouble. So we are transformed by allowing God's spirit to work in us. We are transformed by allowing God's spirit to work in us. It's not just conformity to not doing a bunch of things that you know are bad. It's listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit when we are disobedient. It's walking in humility before the Lord. It's yielding your life to him day in and day out. It's allowing his word to speak to you, to the secret places in your life that you know are in disobedience. and You're saying, God, I need to lay that before you. These are the things that Paul is talking about. So here it is, here it is. This is the point. This is the point that Paul is trying to make. He says, when we do this and we allow our hearts and our lives to be transformed by God and giving our... Our bodies to him as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, which holy and acceptable, which is our act of worship. When we do this, we are able to discern the will of God. We can have clarity of mind to do what is right before the Lord and not worry about our past and maybe some decisions that we make and then live with the regrets of the past that keep us from moving forward in the Lord for the future. And many of us live in the regrets of the past that handicap us or keep us from moving forward in our future with the Lord because we're so hung up in our past and the decisions that we've made. So Paul's saying, listen, if you want clarity of mind to know God's will, then daily give yourself to the Lord. That's your spiritual act of worship. See, God cares about your heart and your character more than anything else. He cares. listen. Oh, listen to this. I know it's, a, we all have big decisions to make in our lives, right? The, the decision, I don't want to minimize the decision of who you marry, where you go to college. What's I'm not trying to minimize all minimize all those are important decisions and we need to ask God for wisdom for that. But the most important thing God cares about, whatever school you go to, whoever you marry, whatever job you take, that you live in the spirit of Christ that you allow the character of God to dwell richly within you. So wherever you work, wherever you go, wherever you live, it's not so much about the place as as much about who you are as a person and your character in Christ. That's what Paul is saying is most important. And when we know that, we'll have the confidence knowing that we are in God's will, that we are in God's will. I remember uh, my junior year in college, all my friends were uh, either engaged or had girlfriends, and I was the dateless wonder. I had no prospects. Nothing was on the horizon. There's nothing. I'm like, God, I'm going to the ministry, and you know, there's pressure to have a wife to go into the ministry. And I remember I was just saying, God, give me something. I mean, what's going on? You know, I was just remember just worrying and being anxious about it. And, and I remember my junior year, the, the Lord just showed something to me and basically told me to stop worrying about finding the right person and be more concerned about becoming the right person. Ouch. <laughs> and so I just spent my, my junior just saying, you know, I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to seek you Lord. And I'm not going to worry about this. I'm just going to lay this before you because I, it was so much anxiety and so much other things. And I said, I'm just going to lay this be- before you. And I don't mean to try to make this a super spiritual thing. Cause I had no dates anyway, so it might as well. I had no other prospects. So I said, okay, I guess I'll just pray about this for the next year. And, um, the next person that I actually dated was Kathleen, my wife. And, uh, she didn't know it was about to hit her, but I did. Um, cause I knew right away. And actually Kathleen, and I, uh, dated in high school and she broke up with me. Don't let her tell you anything different. Okay. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm just teasing. She did, she did. She uh, she had enough of my immaturity. But anyways, I got back at her and I married her. So it all worked out for me. All worked out for me. Um, so here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So much of this that we worry about is we worry about the specifics and we're not concerned with how we're living. See, that's where we get misplaced priorities. Paul says, listen, the most important thing, if you're going to be able to test and know God's will, it's how you live your life before Christ. It's how you live your life before Christ. See, when we seek God and we allow him to work in our hearts, we can discern God's will for our lives and have confidence knowing that we are pleasing to him. So God, so, so what God does for us in his word is, is, is through the writings of Paul. Paul tells us that we can be able to discern God's will. And and when we're seeking him, we can be able to discern it. In fact, the word, Discern that Paul uses meant to test this is an interesting Greek word. The word "test in the Greek is this word dokamezo. and the word dokamezo is pretty interesting it It, it actually means to test or examine. Uh, Dr. John uh, Bechel says this about this word when it was used in in ancient uh, Greek history and in, in secular Greek. It was actually, the word was actually used to describe the scene in a marketplace where the authorities would examine coins to make sure they weren't counterfeit. So actually, the, the word, mezzo, actually is this word to describe something that is authentic. That's, it's, it's a test to make sure that this thing is authentic. Now, naturally, they would be testing the money, with the ex- expectation that it would pass the test. So they're aimed to detect any fakes. So they could see they were, you know, they were skilled at detecting any fakes. But the purpose, the purpose was to give the customer confidence in the coinage they were using. So if these coins pass the test, the consumer, the person who's using it could be confident that it was examined and they could use it without the fear that it was fake coinage. This is exactly what Paul means. He says, In order for us to understand and be able to test and know God's will, God will give us the confidence when we are in Him. And we're giving our worship to Him and we're allowing God to transform our minds. We can have the confidence that we can test God's will, we can examine God's will, and we can know it and have the confidence that we are walking in God's will. So what's God's will for you? I have no idea. No, I'm just teasing. I do know what God's will is for you. God's will for you is the same for me. Does that mean we might do different things, right, have different jobs? Of course, that's what it means. God wants us to have the confidence in knowing Him and knowing His will. Confidence to work in God's will, not in insecurity or worry or walking in past regrets. So, what is God's will for you? Well, I'll tell you. Are you ready? Here, here's just a couple things I want to give you. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. But here's just a couple things to know God's will and to have that confidence to walk in His will. First of all, God outlines his will for us through his word. I love this because he tells us how we are to live our lives, that we're to show grace, we're to hold our tongue, walk in love with one another, how to handle our finances, the correct way to look at money, not to live in sexual immorality. God shows us these are the things that please me. Not not that you have to do them as a performance to gain my love, but this is a way that we can walk in the will of the Father and know that we're pleasing to him. It's through the truth of his word that gives me the confidence, not, not a self-righteous confidence, but a confidence that says, God, I want to be pleasing to you in my life. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I want to be pleasing to you. And what that does is it gives me confidence knowing that I'm pleasing the Lord. It's outlined for us in his word. He doesn't hide it from us. The second thing we can do is pray for wisdom. James 1.5 tells us what we're to do when we lack wisdom. You know, the word of God tells us that when we don't have the wisdom and understanding, and to know, too, that we can pray to God and ask for wisdom. I love, what, I love what James says here. If you read all of James chapter 1, James is like, listen, stop being wishy-washy. Have confidence, knowing that when you go to the Lord, he's going to help you. Don't be double-minded in the way that you think. Have confidence in the Lord. You serve a mighty God who cares about you. So James, he's just, he, I can't wait to talk to James in heaven because he just, like, just tells you the way it is. I like it. Here's what he says in verse 5, chapter 1. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously, to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. If you lack wisdom, pray. Lay it before the Lord. Lay your will before the Lord. You say, God, here's, here's what I would like to happen, but I want to lay this before you. And if this doesn't work out, I want to make sure that my heart is right before you. I want to make sure that I'm living the life that you desire for me to live before you. And whatever it may be, I can still have confidence that this, this may not work out the way I want it to, but I can rest assured knowing that you are still for me, that there's something that you want me to learn or there's something that you want to teach me and I can have confidence in that knowing that you are for me and not against me, that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus. That's the confidence he wants you to have. So I think sometimes when we look at our past regrets, we allow those things to dictate our future. And so it, it gets us hung up and Jesus says, I've come to renew you. Behold, all things become new. Do we can we live with a consequence or a pass? Yeah, we do. We still have the memory. But does that hold us back from knowing Christ and living a new life in Him? Absolutely not. He restores, He renews. That's the power of the gospel message. Pray for wisdom, lay it before the Lord, and lay your will before the Lord. Not my will be done but your will be done. But remember what's your character? Where's your heart? Are you giving yourself as a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is your spiritual worship? And then thirdly, seek godly counsel. Gain wisdom from those you trust who will pray with you and for you. Those who have mature walk with the Lord Ask them, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about that? And knowing that that person is going to pray with you and pray for you and maybe give you a different angle that you didn't look at. You're like, man, I am so glad I didn't make that decision, right? Because someone maybe would, you know, we make so many decisions based on emotional decisions. And if there's somebody that doesn't have, you know, invested interest in it, they may give you a different side side that you never thought of. But gain wisdom, someone that's going to pray for you. See, Paul says, when you do this, you will be able to test and know God's will, and you can rest in that and not be anxious. So when I'm seeking the Lord and he's renewing my spirit and I'm laying my life before him, I don't have to worry. I don't have to be anxious. Now, will life work out the way I want it sometimes? No. No. But I can know I can trust the Lord with my life and have that confidence, knowing that He is with me and He won't forsake me. For some some of you, you've got a lot of hangups from your past that you're like, past, Pastor Barn, is that one decision I made 15 years ago? Is that going to impede the rest of my life? No. Not in Christ it won't. Realize that He can re- renew and redeem. That he can can move in your life and give you a new sense and a hope and a purpose. Listen, God wants you to have confidence, not a cocky confidence, but a confidence in him knowing that you can please him. And God is most concerned with your heart, not the color of your car. Right? So let's be more concerned with how we're living our lives for the Lord. So you say, well, well, Pastor, what do I do? I've got, I I had two job offers. Here they are. This job pays a little bit more. I I think that's God's will, right? We ought to make go to the money, right? But yet, yet the company is toxic, right? Then you go over here, well, this pays a little bit more, but I know the company is really nice and blah, blah, blah. what, what What do I do? What do I do? How do I know which one is God's will? Let me check my cereal bowl for my Cheerios to see what it spells out this morning. Is there some formation in the clouds? Did I get spiritual doodads? Do I feel this sense of peace come over me? Listen, you know what I say to all that stuff? Stop getting so hung up, right? Here's what you do. You trust the Lord, making sure that your heart is right, And whatever decision you make, just trust the Lord with it. Don't get hung up on it. Don't look for cloud formations. Don't look for any secret message in your Cheerio bowl, right? Don't, right, be careful with all that stuff. Sometimes you always want to chase something to confirm something. We're always looking for confirmations. What's a confirmation? Confirmation. That must be be God's will because the person at that job drove the same car as me. That's confirmation. I feel it. Right? Listen, let's be careful. Let's go back to God's word. And what did Paul say? It's the transformation of your mind. It's your spiritual act of worship. It's allowing Christ to change you every day. And when you do that, you can have confidence that whatever decision you make, God's going to be with you. He's going to be with you because he cares more about your character than anything else. He's going to walk with you and he'll use the situations in our lives to draw us closer to him. So let's, let's, let's honor God in the decisions that we make. So here's the thing I want to do for you today as we just close and close in song. Some of you, you may have some big decisions to make in your life. And I don't listen. I don't want to make light of who you marry. I think it's important. We go to God's word on who we marry and making sure that we're looking for the right characteristics. I don't want to make light of the job that you have. You know, I don't want to make light of the decisions that you have to make. I'm not trying to make light of any of that. But let's not get so hung up on it that we feel like the rest of our lives, if we choose this, choose this that the rest of our lives are going to be in danger. I want you to realize if you're living before the Lord each and every day and you're giving him your heart and your life and you're humbling yourself before him, that's what he wants from you. And so as you go through your lives and you make decisions, lay them before the Lord and ask him for wisdom and then make that choice and then have the confidence that your confidence is in the Lord, that you've tested it and you're confident and just walk in it. And don't fret and don't worry. Put your confidence in him. He cares uh, way more about how you live your life and your character than the color of your house. Not that that's not important, but not really. Kind of. Let's be confident in the Lord, knowing that he's for us. Let's be confident in the way we live our lives, by the way we worship him and how we lay our lives before him each and every day. Would you bow your hearts to me for just a moment? I want to pray for you. and Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Barden, I I, I do have some decisions that I need to make in my life, and and, and I need to lay my heart before the Lord, and I, and, and I want to make sure my heart's right before the Lord. But I, I want to give this before the Lord, and I do need God's wisdom. And I want to make sure that I'm pleasing God first and foremost than anything else. How many of you just by the raised hand you know, say, Pastor Barn, just inc- just pray for me today. Include me in your prayer today. Amen. Amen. God wants to help you today and give you his wisdom. So, Father God, we just come before you today. And, Lord, we give you our hearts and our lives today, Lord. And I know, God, um, the thing you care about most is how we live our lives and how we submit ourselves to you, Lord. And all these other decisions that we make in our lives, Lord, we lay them at your feet and give us the confidence knowing that we can test those things when our heart is seeking you. When we're seeking you, Lord, and we're worshiping you, We can trust you, God. When we're obedient to your word, God, we can trust you with our lives. So we thank you, Lord, for helping us, for giving us wisdom. And so, Lord, help us to, as Paul said, to renew our minds, to have that spiritual worship, Lord, that serves you, that honors you, God. And then the rest of life's decisions, Lord, we can know and test and have confidence knowing that you're going to walk with us and be with us. Thank you for renewing us, for redeeming our past. Thank you, Lord, that with all things with you, it is new and it does become new. Thank you for the hope that we have for our future in Christ Jesus, that we don't have to live with regrets of the past when we are in Christ Jesus, because he makes us a new creation. And behold, all things become new. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, with a confident, with a confident, amen. Let it be so. Let's stand and sing this to the Lord. God bless you.